0: Hi, my name is Trudy Rosquay, and I am the founder of Vitality 40+. I am not only a master personal trainer specialising in women's and children's physical health, but also a menopause ambassador who is passionate about spreading the word and breaking all those mystical taboos over the M-word. I have created a series of podcasts with a variety of guests, not only on women's health issues, but subjects that relate to men's health and well-being also, Unlocking all the answers to questions that you may have wanted to ask, but unsure as to where to get the information. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another series of our podcasts. Um, Today, we're going to be looking at addiction. Uh, and that can be in all kinds of formats. So I'm going to introduce you to our next speaker. So today's guest is a gentleman who started working in the finance industry many years ago. So was like one of us. Um, but 13 years ago, he changed uh, direction and career direction and is now the CEO of Silkworth Group. Um, and we Or Silkworth Charity, I should hasten to say. Um, And so I'm going to take no more to say, welcome, Jason.
1: Hello there. How are you
0: doing? (laughs) Fine. Great to have you on this. Now, I suppose the first question that I'm going to ask you um, is what is Silkworth? And should I be calling it a group or should I be calling it a charity?
1: Uh, Silkworth is a charity. Um, You can call it a charity. You can call it a group. I mean, at the end of the day, I think is what I want people to remember is the name Silkworth. Um, I want people to go away remembering that name because you never know when you're going to need uh, a, a place like Silkworth. So the more people that know what it is and what we do, uh, then I think then there's more awareness out there. So really? if you want to call it group, if you want to call it charity, it's completely great. <laughs> right,
0: well, it depends on what um, comes out. Uh, <laughs> out. So explain to me what is it?
1: What what is Silkworth? Okay, so Silkworth is an organisation. we we've, we've been around for over 20 years, providing support to individuals and families that suffer the effects of drug or alcohol addiction. Uh, We we run a residential treatment centre. It's the only residential treatment centre in the Channel Islands. Uh, We we have what we call secondary care accommodation. So what that means is people that graduate from, from residential rehab have an opportunity to move into what we call secondary care, where they have more independence, but they've still got the support of the organisation through counselling, through group therapy, et cetera, et cetera, whilst they're learning to integrate back into normal living. And by normal living, I mean, finding a job, finding actual uh, permanent accommodation, building life skills maybe that have been lost or never had, and rebuilding family relationships as well. So, secondary care accommodation is just as important as primary care. Um, we also uh, operate a family program, so we support families that that, that have that have suffered the effects of addiction, um, and that's that that's a bit wider than just the the direct family. That can be. Um, em- employers, it can be friends, it can be um, uh, significant others, those that have, want to understand more about what addiction is and, and what they can do to support people they know that may be suffering, um, and actually what they can do to support themselves. So the family programme is very much about the individual, not the addict, but about the in- the, in- the individual, and it's, it's very much around education and, and, and learning we also have a children's program so we support wow. 7 7 to 12 year olds that the, and we call the program program silk worms so <laughs> it's, nice. um, we wanted to keep the silk in there somehow um but we we identified that that children also suffer the impact of addiction they might not be using or drinking but they see the impact maybe of a, of a family member whether that's the mother father it could be an older sibling it could be a grandparent it could be somebody close in the family um, and children often they, they they're the first to see things and they're certainly the first to sort of like feel the impact of it so what this program does is it's a four-day program for to 12 year olds where they will come in come out of school um, we provide an environment where they can uh, feel safe, for a start, um, and in age-appropriate language, we, we, we help them understand that addiction is an illness, um, and that where maybe some of the things they've witnessed or seen, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the parents or whoever it is that's suffering is ill, and it's not their fault, because children do blame themselves as well. You know, they can they can they can actually take responsibility at such a young age for for the for the for the suffering that maybe their parents are going through. So The children suffer too.
0: This is a very this is something that I feel very passionate about, and I I know that when we talked about the um, the frame of today, it was nothing to do with this, but but it's something that I'm actually I've been doing quite a lot of work in myself, um, and looking and talking to um, Sarah of You Matter or You Matters, um, and we've been talking about also and moving in with other specialists about trauma and about how that evolves. Um, And that nearly all trauma in an adult is is normally caused by either an isolated or compound effect by something as a child. And I I think many of us can probably comprehend that, but don't always see or understand where that trauma has come from. Um, It's something that I'm going to be digging in and delving a little bit deeper. and I and I, I was unaware of the of the silkworms program but I do think that also comes in with um, you know again if we talk addiction as in as in anything but again if a, a child witnesses abuse um, and I, you know whether that's domestic or drink or drug that they could grow up into this normal society um, and that their boundaries and their reforms have all changed so before they've even moved into puberty and 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 teens that they've got this very mixed up normal world um and it is something that i'm looking at um a lot with tina Hess of mind we're going to yeah. be doing a podcast on 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 teenagers so it's been great that you started this off um with that and um, and i'll bring myself back onto line now on that one
1: <laughs> but it's 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 really important i mean children um are, are a real important part of 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 what we do Um, the family are a really important part of what we do it's not just about the alcoholic it's not just about the addict, you know there is there is a wider scope here. So our services have evolved over that period to include support for families, children, we've also got a a program now for uh, teenagers so adolescents that that, that, uh, you know, that they're going to be experimenting. They're, they're teenagers, it's, it's, it's part of growing up and part of life for many. So, you know, we we, we we have support for them too. So we are in a position now where we're providing a full suite of services and support for, for Islanders and, 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 and a wider audience as well, not just for people in Jersey, but for, for people wider on education, residential support, um, learning the coping mechanisms to, to, to move on with life. Because I think what happens with a lot of people that suffer the impacts of addiction is they end up existing in life. They don't live in life. No. And when they exist, you know, they, they stop. And, 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 that, and that becomes resentful, it, can, it, can, it causes family breakups, it causes all sorts of ripple effects where, 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 where actual the simplicity of life is forgotten um so you know that what we're providing is 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 is, is something that's uh, it's hitting all areas of where addiction lands so you know the suite of services are vitally important because it's not just one thing um and i think that's where our success has come from is the fact that we're not just right we're not just a rehab and we're not just here treating alcoholic addicts yeah. we're actually looking at the bigger picture um, and the, the, yes, we, you, you mentioned that you asked, you said at the beginning, I'll be a charity, or a group. Oh yes, we are a registered charity. Um, the actual registered charity name that sits under our group is the Families and Recovery Trust. It's about family. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it was always, that's always been the, the, the core value of what we, what we do. Yes, we have a rehab, but there's a lot more to that. It branches off in different areas in order to get the best results. And in, you know, in a small island like Jersey, we have a captured audience, you know, but the model itself can be lifted and put anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think this is what, you know, this is basically, if you're listening and you're, you know, you're beginning to feel that there's something in here, you've been brought up in a family where there is an issue. And I think, again, another taboo subject that we never spoke about. I mean, it's something that has been so clearly defined now um, and perhaps I move on to the to the addict, um, which is a, a terrible labelling. It's a bit like um, when uh, you have, or if you ever have needed the women's refuge services, and they say, "Are you a victim?" And from a female perspective, to say, "No," but actually, if you tick four out of the ten boxes, you are a victim. And but that's a terrible like. It's a terrible like labelling. What well, is it? A terrible labelling? There's another there's another podcast and a half. But um, it's kind of like what we're saying now, and and um, we are in Jersey, but um, I'm hoping that this will be going out into the Crown territories, and we're all in sort of a closeted area where that's Gibraltar broad Isle of man, um, where alcohol is very much the norm. And I'll talk alcohol because I think, and I'm going to say this in a very generic fashion, and you can correct me here. It's probably the most prevalent norm that I think we all take as that social thing that we do um without really thinking about it so I suppose my question to you for the next opening definition is when is it when is it normal and when are we not normal when is an addict and when is not an addict
1: yeah it's, it's a really good question and and it's it's a really broad question as well That that can that is quite there's quite a wide answer to it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it in a simplistic way, um, because I think that's the easiest way to to explain. I always say, you know, when we talk about addiction, you know, think about the behaviour a person has with the substance, think about the relationship um, a person has, because to define to define addiction um is it quite a difficult thing because it's quite broad you know we can be addicted to work we can be addicted to to go and exercise we can be addicted to all sorts of things and in fact we are all addicts in some way shape or form um it's just the 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 thing that i'm talking about is substances which which are mood-altering substances which cause that can cause problems for people so, you know, when we talk about, like, when is it a problem and is it not a problem? Think about the behaviour that a person has with a substance. Think about the, how it's normalised. Alcohol, for example, is, is part of life. It is not going anywhere. It, it's, it's part of our culture. It's part of world culture. It's there. It, it, it's, it's not going anywhere. So when people say to me, well, it's legal, we can do this. I'm, yeah, absolutely right. You know, um, I used to do it myself. You know, it, it's, it's, it's there. But... What happens? Is it normal to black out every time you drink? Is it normal to to be in constant trouble every time you drink? Is it normal to have arguments every time you drink? Is it normal to be falling over every time you drink? You know, if you're answering those questions, if that's happening to you, you've got to ask yourself the question, is that a normal behaviour when you have a drink? you know, some people may say, well, it's normal for me, but, and, and, and that's up to them, but what is the knock-on effect on other people? Is it having an effect on relationships? Is it having an effect on your, on your, on your work? Is it having an effect on, on, on your health? You know, if it is having effect in these ways, then, then there is a problem, and it's not normal, um, and you'll find that there, there are some people that go out and have a drink, and, and, and they have a good time, and they enjoy it, and that's absolutely fine you know people do that it's you know it's part of life so the behavior is the key word here it's the behavior uh, of that a person has with the substance that will define is it healthy is it not and that's why i say everybody is different you know that's why i say it like that because everybody is different everybody has a different reason to have a drink you know, is somebody stressed at work, they have a drink and then they go home because it's their wine down. So chill out. Some people go to the gym and exercise, you know. So it, it's 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 very much about understanding you as a person and understanding why you drink and what is the reason behind it. And what
0: are the consequences of when you drink, if there are any at all? Um, I mean, so, a, sorry, that just to stay there, you know, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I think uh, to, to just pick you on those questions, you know. Why do we drink? Well, you know, my personal story is that, like everybody in, in growing up, drink, um, and then or I go off to Spain, and and then the drink measures get a lot bigger, and um, and then we start off. But it's all social drink. We drink when the sun's out. We drink when we come home because, particularly in my theme of the menopause, everyone goes, "Oh, I always hate everybody." What's that for? And the feel-good hormone we have a drink because that nice glass of wine that really cold glass of wine is a lovely feeling and that gives you your Jake mind. um and the same with uh you know we i talk about nutrition and sugar sugar being the addictive substance whether that's in sugar is today's heroin is what i say but but it is that is the addictive substance the things that you so you might be listening to this thinking oh i'm not really affected but actually Start thinking about your nutritional content. Start thinking about what you want, what you eat and what you drink to get that ha-ha feeling. Um, so Jason, back would go. So we're talking about going out social pressure, social pressure. So I decided 4th of January, due to the fact that I have an underlying health condition, to stop drinking or not stop drinking IET total because I don't have a drink problem, says Trudy. However, I then realised... How much social pressure is still being put on me to have a drink? How much social gatherings? And then for those that will know, I'm quite a campaigner on the non-alcoholic mixtures of drink that you can have to pretend that you're not just sitting there with a glass of water or orange juice. Um, so throwing it back. So we like to go out and have a drink. And that's why I like to do that, because I like to have that, because I'm having an out and a friend it's social so when am i when am i and i'm i'm knowing the behavior okay so i know what i have become um, in the past and i'm sure you have been witness to many uh, an occasion in your job where you've also had that experience so how do you how do you find that fine nine how do you know oh, i'm going to put in the stopping point is there yeah. a stopping point how do we stop how do we stop? Why
1: do we stop? How, I think the question: How do we stop? And why do we stop? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the you know, I think the first question has got to be why, and 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 that comes back to the behavioural thing. So, looking at the consequences: is uh, is my drinking causing um, repetitive arguments? Is it causing an impact at home? Is it having a negative impact in my workplace? All those sorts of things should help you come to a reason why well, I, you need yeah, to stop you know and then you know it it comes back to, it comes to so well if you've got a reason to to stop drinking then how do you do it so everybody is absolutely is, is, is different some people will cross over into something else so they'll find something else to do that will give them that that relief and it might be it might be hobbies it, it, might, be, it might actually be work you know it, it can be it's it's again it's very very individual and you can't script it um you know, if I'm if talking to a wide audience here, I would be saying, "Well, you 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 need to look at yourself and see what you need as a, as an individual." Um, I, I don't want to. I'm
0: a... So imagine that person going, "But I don't." Want, I'm I'm hearing friends now who say, "Who I know their behaviour changes." Yeah. At the end of a drinking session. Yeah. Um. They don't know where their stop button is, yeah. so it's that you know. I like to think that I have a stop button because I don't want to be sick. <laughs> yeah. It's quite simple. I've always had that in my head as a teenager. Once, yeah. that was it. Um, however, some people don't have that stop button, they carry on and carry on, and then their behavior changes. But if you're that person, a la Sabre, how, what, you know, what do I do? What, if I'm listening to this and thinking, well, actually, God, that's me. That's because I get into a well. fight or become mouthy. So how, what do I do now?
1: Well, the first thing you've got to to you've got to have as an ingredient is the want. You've got to want to stop drinking, you know. And if you don't want to stop drinking, then you're going to find it very hard. Um, and for some people, what will happen is they don't have the want until the consequences become more of an impact for um, more of an impact to them. That might be losing a job. That might be losing a relationship. That might be, you know, other family relationship breaks that breakdowns. So again, bring it back, it, people are, are very, very different. And, and so the want has got to be there. You've got to want to do it because it's not an easy thing to do. Um, because we're surrounded by, you know, whether whether you're a dependent drinker or you are just a social drinker, we're surrounded by alcohol. It, you know, we commiserate, we drink celebrate we drink you know just wind yeah. down we drink the sun's out we drink you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a big ingredient yeah. in life so the want has got to be at the form at the, at the front of everything that that person do, that does so when I stopped drinking I had to stop drinking and I wanted to stop drinking because I had to the want came because I had to okay so that's a that's one scenario there are other scenarios where you can look at uh, uh, people saying, well, I want to stop drinking, but I don't need to stop drinking. Oh, so maybe, yes.
0: Yeah, maybe, yeah.
1: So maybe, yeah. So maybe that person just needs to cut down their drinking, um, you know, and, and look at it from their own perspective. And then maybe if they can't cut down their drinking, maybe they need to look at why they can't cut their, down their drinking. Yeah. So there's there's lots <laughs> of little little snippets of, and ingredients uh, for, for everybody's in, as individuals. And that's why I've said right from the outset, this is so broad. It's so broad because human nature is broad, isn't it? And we yeah, all we yeah. have, we have so many different things that impact us. Um, so if 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 the it's the needs and wants scenario, isn't it? You know, do I need to stop drinking or do I want to stop drinking?
0: Yeah. Or is it a bit
1: of both? You know, yeah. needs and wants. You know, if you've got needs and wants, then it's it's a lot easier. But if it's I just one it's it's
0: very, really very interesting, like I think you sort of threw my question out because I think, you know, by saying by saying and defining the difference between sort of a social drink, you know, you know, when is that line? When does that, you know, we all have this vision of an addict being somebody on a park bench or drinking at seven o'clock in the morning. And um, these are these, you know, the, um, just those sure. visions that you have. But in fact, as we know, at, and what you just find there, and I've written the word down, it's the behavior of how you are when you're drinking. So it's not actually, the definition, or maybe it is, maybe your your behavior doesn't change. Although I I strongly, well, I'm sure in your experience, I strongly disagree with that, that everybody who, and I, whether it's drink or whether it's drugs, whatever, that, that the behavior does change in whatever fashion that is. Um, and perhaps that's because people want to, isn't it? And, and again, that goes back to the, probably the, the self-help path of, of finding out why do we need a drink? But going
1: back to the need thing, it can be, you know, that, that, that's, that's, let's be honest. I mean, some people drink just because they maybe have a bit of social anxiety. They, 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 don't, they can't deal well in groups. You know, if they, go to a, they go to a pub, they, they want to have a drink just so they can, they can relax, yeah. you, know? Um, you know. So that there, there are a number of reasons why people drink. There's some people that just drink because they like drinking. They like the taste of it, you know. I mean, I know, and I was one of them, um, many people. I could not stand the taste of alcohol. I only drank to get drunk. Um, I didn't ah, drink for yeah, any other really. reason. I drank to get drunk, and the quicker I could do it, the better. Um, so so that in itself, that behavior in itself, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you
1: know, yeah. Is something that not today I can look back at and and, and think, well, do you know what? There was there were signs very very early on for me um because I, I, I'd never liked the taste of, of, of alcohol you know it was the first thing I'd done you know as soon as I started right I could get as much down on me as as, as possible so I could get drunk and just be chilled and be like the life and soul of the party mm-hmm. um so you know there was that pretense going on it's like wearing a mask really you know yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. Be yeah. somebody that somebody that you're not um but you only you only sort of Find that out as you go on in in life, and you know, and I, I find class myself as very very lucky, uh, having been able to 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 find that me, if you like, and be able yeah. to identify, you know, the the, the behaviours around drinking and the harm that they were actually doing. Um, had I not sort of um, had I not sort of been around recovery. I think I would really have struggled with that because because of the normalisation of it uh, out there. In the I, was just gonna,
0: I was just going to use that word normalisation, and I think um, I'm very aware of probably the teen. I have two boys, so uh, 17 and and 20, um, or going to be 21. Um, and the 17 year old, you know, it's always been a very family thing about you know having a drink, and it's being a normalised situation. And he was so anti, anti-drink. But of course, now we're suddenly getting a little bit of peer pressure out on parties or yeah. everything's starting. Why don't you have this in Because it's there, isn't it? It's there yeah. all the way, all the way time. And actually, you're not normal as a teenager if you're not seen to be having a drink. Yeah. Um, I, is, this a problem, so... is this a problem that we have?
1: Yeah, it is a problem that we have. And I think, if, you know, In fact, going back in time, but if you look at if you go back 20, 30 years ago, uh, we were talking more about smoking being the issue. Yeah, Uh, um, Yeah. that's what we weren't really talking about. Alcohol uh, (laughs) being being a problem. We were talking about smoking being a problem um because at that point you know you you could smoke anywhere. you smoke in a taxi you smoke in a plane you smoke in, in, in a bar wherever in some offices you actually have a, had a smoke as well so you know it was it, it, yeah so so you know we, we you know the, the generational change has, has shifted so that back then we weren't talking about alcohol really really unless somebody was on dial. you know it wasn't yeah, yeah. really it, it wasn't a subject that was really spoken about smoking was Today, in this day and age, we are talking about it more. I think that the, the 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 youth of today have got different challenges maybe to what the, the challenges were 20, 30 years ago. You know, for example, 20, 30 years ago, you could go and you, you could get a job pretty easy. You know, you could you could you could, you could yep. leave school at 15, 16 and you could walk into a job of sorts. That doesn't exist today. Therefore, you know, oh, it does, but it's rare, you yeah. know, and. And, 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 and if you do leave school early, you know, you've got to have something behind you unless you've got a trade. You've got to find somewhere you can get into a trade or you've got to go to college and study and all that sort of thing. The, the whole dynamic of growing up as an adolescent is completely different. Uh, the pressures are a lot more. Um, the, the, the demands on them as, as a young, particularly after COVID as well, or, or through mm-hmm. COVID, there's been some real huge demands and, 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 and things put on the mental health of adolescents. So, so I think the, the, the peer pressure of drinking and, and and using as well drugs. I mean, we're talking about alcohol. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Drug use is a big problem. Um, it's a big problem, and it's a different type of problem today to what it was before. Um, so we've got we've got a whole mixture of of, of issues that that are, that are really right in front of our youth, if you like. So education is the key thing for for, for younger people, you know, and it's not about standing in front of them if, you know, if a teacher doesn't really know anything about alcohol or drugs or sex or, you know, all that type of stuff. They need to have um, pertinent um, lessons around what is realistic, you know, let's not stand up there and tell them what to do. Let's stand up there and say, well, look, if you do this, this could happen. You know, so that young people have information to make informed choices. Um and knowledge, and, and is, that's power. <laughs> sorry? knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, it, it, it is. And and at least then a young person is making a choice based on what they know. As opposed to maybe what they've heard or what they've seen. Um, because, you know, it, it's, you know, you, people, it, one of the reasons people drink and they start drinking early because it does give them a bit of a buzz, it gives them a bit of a high, it gives them a, it gives them a, an escape, it makes them feel a bit more confident. Um, and at that stage in their lives, when maybe they're feeling a little bit, bit stressed, you know, where's the go to? You know, yeah. and, and yes, it's a legal substance, illegal for under 18s, but it doesn't stop young people from, from, from drinking or using. So, you know, we've got to, we, you know, the, the problem exists, it's a bigger problem today than it's ever been, uh, because that mixed in with mental health issues and all sorts of stuff, it's just compounded and it's, it's never been the way it, it, what it is now. Um, and that's not just Jersey that's that's throughout the world yeah so you know the best thing that we can do is is as, as, as adults we can share our message as, as as you know and this is another subject which could take us down a whole different <laughs> avenue but, but but education you know education is outdated and um you know we, we don't do enough around about life around life skills uh, around,
0: well, yeah i mean this is something i've been i mean uh, one of my um other podcasts on the series will be with sarah from you and we were talking about this very thing yesterday outlining what it is by going into schools and by educating them they're not teachers um they are the same as yourselves a registered charity but they cover everything from um porn to relationships, to drinking, to drugs. But, but state, you know, what I'm, what is great is that there is education going in. And, and I think I would love to see, and I can see me being driven to do this um, a family hub. There used to be, I know there was, but a, a family hub of education and association where teens can come in and just drop in and get whatever they want. Um, I still think we suffer with stigma. I still think, um, things, you know, and we do talk about the bullying as well, but there are still reasons for, for the drinking. The drinking is because uh, all those things that you said, but there's still this pressure, this peer pressure, this social pressure that is put upon us because we want to be one of the norms. We don't want to be when we're, when we're 18, 17. We don't want to be outside the gang because that no. makes us different, which could then give us bullying, which will then lend, let's, there's another subject and a half. Um, <laughs> and it all goes in. The big thing, of course, is understanding. And I think that was interesting when you said about the teens as well as your silkworms being educated, is what is normal. Is it okay for my 20-year-old to go out and you know get wrecked on a Saturday night and then not want to drink during the week? Because actually he trains four times a week, he does football, he does things. Um, you know, yes, as a mum, I'd like to say no, he's not going to get wrecked on a Saturday night, but however, <laughs> you know, let's be normal. But I feel that there's an there's a balance, and you can't you can't I presume unless you're going to tell me different, Jason, that you can't stop teenagers from going out and, and you know well, you don't no. want to stop them really do. You?
1: <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't think you should stop them. I think I think that's part of development and it's part of growth. Um, and and but, but what I do think is important is is because young people are going to do that, I say you are. Not all young people are going to do it because, because I think there's also a big push and a big buzz, which was very different to years ago, around health and well-being. And you see a lot of younger people now really interested in health, really interested in nutrition, and really help and interested in 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 how they're how, how they're developing. I've never seen anything like that. So you've got you've got you've got two areas. You've got actually we've got increased mental health issues um and addiction issues in, in youth, but we've also got increased knowledge and awareness around well-being and self-care um because it's out there but you know mental health in particular is, is 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 was a taboo subject it was something that we didn't speak about but there's been some amazing work done over the over recent years to to really squash that taboo um and talk about it and bring it into workplaces bring it into schools um the same is sort of happening with addiction it's not because addiction is a mental health illness um but but we don't talk about it enough yet because i don't i think for the very reasons that you've the points that you've made is that actually well what is an addict what is an, an alcoholic you know what am i an alcoholic am i an addict you know pe- people don't really know so i tend to like to be able to um talk about you know and, and we're talking about education in schools that's what we've just spent the last sort of five minutes talking about education in schools but education and awareness in adult-based environments, is just as important, just as important, uh, because the the feeders into these environments are actually the youth. So if we do the work at the at the outset, the preventative work, that's that's a starting block. But actually, there's still a large number that are in existence of people our own age, you know, in twenties, thirties. Not saying I'm in my twenties, but you know, twenties, uh, thirties <laughs> uh, that are actually that, that 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 need that awareness as well. Um, And then if you can get that over generational change, that's where you see the impact. Very much like smoking. And I use smoking as an example because I think it's a good example to use. If you look at how that shift in mindset around the thoughts around smoking has changed over the last 20 years, it's incredible actually. It's absolutely incredible.
0: Look at the Um, the cigarettes not being sold. No cigarette advertising. Um, you know, all of this media branding and and the fact that you can't go through an airport without having to go into a little dark room now. That's right. You yeah. know, cigarettes. Now, you know, the, what's happened? And that's just the public morphic figure, you know, but let alone the tread, i.e. the cost. And of course, this then comes into alcohol. You know, How far are we? And I, before I actually go into the future, because I think that's my future spiel on that. But just talking about going back into our workplace environment, where we are now, is you know whether or not we are now recognizing that we may have an issue, or whether we think our partner or, or family member may have an issue. I suppose the next thing is what and how is the next practical step for for me or or my beloved to go and get some help.
1: Yeah, so there, there, you know there is a lot of support out there you know if when you need something you'll always find the, the, the support mm-hmm. there the thing where, where it comes with alcohol or drugs it's the it's that 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 that, that gate that 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 sort of Guilt and shame, you know, the, there's a guilt and there's a shame around it. Can I reach out for help? Have I got a problem? Do I need to go and speak to somebody? If I speak to somebody, will they know somebody that knows me? Yeah, All yeah. that type of stuff. Um, but if we can get, you know, if we can get a message across where, you know, actually it's nothing, It's nothing braver than actually reaching out for help. There's nothing braver. And if I can use this as an example, and now please don't, I, I don't take anything away from this as an illness, but it is an illness. Cancer is an illness people die from cancer you know and 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 people will reach out if they need to get help for that whether it's family whether it's through it's, its bereavement or grief grief therapy people will reach out you know there is no difference with addiction you know alcoholism and drug addiction does kill um it kills many people and and so there is no shame in reaching out to get help you know whether it's for a family member or whether it's for the for oneself um so there are a number of ways that can do it. i mean number one obviously here you know you don't have to be in jersey to reach out to us for help or advice at least or some support um i mean we have we receive so many calls on a weekly basis just just so people want to just understand a little bit more it's not necessarily wanting to come into rehab but just knowing actually well, what can they do or where can they go um, so, you know, I, I I do have a lot of conversations along that. And actually, we talk about addiction, you know, so what is addiction? Am I an addict? Am I an alcoholic? Um, and when I turn around to people and I say, well, actually, you know, when you look at the stereotypical alcoholic or the stereotypical drug addict, those being the person sat on a park bench or a stereotypical typical drug addict being in a, in a dark room of needles and all that sort of stuff those people in those stereotypes are the minority when it comes to addiction the majority of people that are suffering with alcoholism or the majority of people that are suffering with drug addiction are out in the community they're holding down jobs they're functioning they're whole you know they're they're, they're, they're actually live they're, they're, well living existing in in every everyday life some are struggling some are not Some are quite haven't haven't quite reached that 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 bit with their family. and some will carry on for the for, for for their whole life in that in that way um so the more we do about raising the profile, raising the awareness, you know, thinking about the behaviors, thinking about this normalization, this normalization word and how that sits in, in, in our own life, then there's more chance of, of really bashing down that stereotype. And if you bash down the stereotype, more people will reach out for help.
0: you know and I think that's brilliant and I I do think that's a a great step to sort of for people to be considering um themselves and also to you know I mean um you know talking about opening up discussions about alcohol with a loved one you know how difficult is that from a family member i.e., a third party to a person who who you think is struggling with with an addiction, whether
1: that's alcohol or drugs? Well, the, the, the first thing is if there's denial from the person that's drinking or using drugs, then that, that conversation is always going to be very hard because because the person that's drinking or using um, is not going to listen to the family member that's saying, look, you know, uh, you need to stop or you need to come down or whatever, because there's a denial there. What tends to happen in these, this is where the, our family programme comes in very handy because where the family have tried they may have spoken to the person. They may have said, look, you, you, this isn't normal. This is, this is affecting our relationship. You know, this is affecting the children, the, the, the family. Those conversations may have happened. But actually, that family member or that person that's close, because I say the person that's close because it's not just the family. It can be an employer. It can be, it can be a friend, you know. It, it's not just the family. So people that are close to someone will be the first to actually see that there's a problem before the person that's actually got the problem normally um but then saying that addicts can hide the alcoholic addicts can hide and they can be very deceitful um and actually if they were businesses they'd probably be multi-million pound businesses because what they do they're very good at so for a family member to 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 reach out and and, or or somebody close to that person to reach out and, and get help and if they don't see what they're saying to that person is going anywhere then they can still get help from themselves because they might be feeling a bit guilty they might be wondering well am i doing the right things am i saying the right things am i enabling the problem to carry on um and normally when it comes to family the the word enabling is quite a, a significant one because when you love somebody and when you care about someone you want to give them everything don't you You want to make sure that they're okay you want to make sure they've got a roof over their head because if they're particularly if they're drinking or using drugs you want to you want them to be around where you can keep an eye on so they're not going to die or kill themselves or something like that but actually sometimes that's that's enabling the problem to carry on because the true consequence of the actions of the addict have not been felt so they've still got a roof over their head they've still got money in the bank Still got cash cards. still can go could go service their their, their needs etc etc so for a family member or somebody close they need to understand more about the illness they need to understand more about what they can do not just to help the addict but to help themselves because they, they suffer, and when you when you're living in an environment where you're you're where you you've got an active alcoholic addict in, around you, it's draining. It can drain you uh, because you're constantly worried. Uh, you are constantly thinking, well, what's going to happen next? It's unpredictability in the household, unpredictability in the workplace. You know, so it's such a vulnerable uh, area to be in for those that are witnessing the carnage that addiction brings. Um, so, you know, for families that are really struggling, you know, the, the first thing I would say is for them, if they stop and just put themselves first, because if they look out for themselves in in, 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 in in first instance, then maybe the addict or the alcoholic has got an opportunity or a chance to help themselves as well, because when they see... their their loved ones seeking help for themselves they might think well actually maybe i am going a bit maybe i am causing this problem the reality of actually what they're doing might come to the forefront you know because as i'll just use this as an example just say um, i'm the i'm the alcoholic and i've got my wife and my wife just starts going off to a self-help group or she starts getting counseling or she starts getting something because of my behaviors because of my drinking then i'm going to think i'm going to look at that well, I would hope that I would look at that. Yeah. Not everybody does, but I would hope that I do. Um, and if I do, that would, might help me get drive me in the right direction. But if I don't, then my wife has to put herself first. She has to make sure that she, her mental well-being is looked after. So she has to look after herself. So our family programme helps families understand that dynamic and understand what they can do for themselves because... In addiction, it's very selfish, you know. Um, And you know, addicts, alcoholics are, you know, we—it's all about what we've, what we've got. You know, it's all about where, where we're at. Where am I going to get my next drink? When can I get out? When can, when can I get that next hit? When can I get that next fix? Forget everything else. Forget the job. Forget the family. Forget all that. I just want to make sure when I'm getting my next, my next need, Um, and that becomes the priority. Now, when that becomes priority. You know, if you want a definition of, of of addiction, when that becomes a priority, I'd say that you're pretty,
0: you're, you're more or less at the line of crossing the line of dependency. Um, I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good point now that, you know, again, I, I'm always trying to push you for that, for that line of what is normal, what is, what is an addict, when is an addict, you know, is it drinking, is it wanting a drink at, at, at 11 o'clock in the morning, Um is it is it not being, you know, I, I don't know. I but I do think the behaviour, I do think, well, I mean, you know, we'll ask for your key key pointers um at the very end. We're just coming to our end now. Before we go, I wanted to just mention about what well, we you were talking about the future. You know, we've looked at how smoking has turned in 20 years. And you know, I do remember being on those flights when I was 20, I think it was, going back yeah. from the being in a smoke-filled plane. God knows what is happening to my body. I don't know, I didn't even yeah. smoke in those days. Um, but uh, how now, where do you see the future of alcohol to be able to maybe not make it as readily available, if that's the option, if that's the answer? I. I...
1: Firstly, I don't think that is an option. I think that alcohol is, is is it's not going anywhere. You you know it's, it's a it's 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 embedded in society. It, it's it's too embedded in society. I mean, if it was being introduced today, would it be legal? I doubt it very much. Yeah, but yeah. but it's not introduced today. It, it's a legal substance which is readily available, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So the future, as far as I can see, um, the, the, the way that we make a change, uh, we, I don't think the change will ever be like it was with smoking. In fact, I, I, it won't be because, because you know drinking is a more sociable type thing to yeah. do um, in the right context and in the right way. So you're not going to get the this, this same dramatic impact as smoking. But what we can do as societies, uh, and I don't just say I'm talking about the world societies, is by talking and growing the awareness of what the potential consequences and damage that can be caused by misusing, I'm not gonna say using, but misusing alcohol in particular, um, we can drive generational change in the thought processes around actually what it can do. And if you add that into sort of like health and wellbeing, Maybe the people that, that 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 drank and drank because, like me, that drank because I just wanted to get drunk, maybe people like me at a younger mm-hmm. age won't do that because they'll know potentially what could happen down the line. Yeah. So, you know, it's about the education, it's about awareness, and it's about the generational change. And I think that with those three things, we won't see it in the next five years. We're not going to see it in the next 10 years, maybe not even 20 years. But I think post that, I think you will see know we might not be around but 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 um we will see i think there'll be a different mindset um it won't be like it won't be like um smoking um but it will certainly i certainly believe it's a bit like mental health we're talking about mental health in a big way now i think it's the same for addiction you know but you know it's been it's been accepted as an illness it's been seen as an illness and as it's as that grows the, the shame and the guilt of coming, you know, opening up to being an addict or being, being addicted to something um, will, will become less, which means that more people will get help. So we've got years ahead of us in respect of change, um, but we're definitely on the right foot. Absolutely.
0: Well, that's brilliant, you know, and, and um, thank you, Jason, for your time today, because, um, you know, I do think it's so important that we get out there and speak about this and that somebody somewhere will we'll take that step in the right direction, maybe give you a call um, at sure, Silver yes. um, or, or go to a doctor or speak to somebody who will be able to put them onto that right path. So just before we end, uh, can I ask for three take home tips today that you can um, hopefully help with the listener?
1: Yeah, so I think the first one, um, and I think I, I made quite a big point about it, is look at your behaviours around drinking or using drugs you know because um you know if, if if you feel your behaviors are not normal or if you're feeling less than because you do drink too much or use drugs or, or whatever then take a stop and look at that and do you need to get some help or do you or, or can you can you do something about it um the the other thing is 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 why 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 am i why am i doing it Is it because I'm stressed? Is it because I've got a relationship breakdown? Is it because um, there's been a death in the family? You know, there are lots of reasons why people can use excessively. Um, But the key thing is about being able to identify, being able to stop and actually look. So behaviors, why? And the third thing I would say is, is, you know, Look at the the, the society, the, the, the family impact. Look at the, the your your work. Is it impacting your work? Is 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 it having negative impact, positive impact, or no impact at all? Um, just have an awareness. You know that word awareness is is branded around so much, but for the pur- purpose of this com- this this topic, I think it's key. You know, being aware. I refer to just you guys i refer to addiction as having a little gremlin on my shoulder that gremlin will always be there it'll always be on on my shoulder but what i do i bash it down you know and what people do is when 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 there's a need to have a drink because it doesn't matter how long you've been clean or sober if you're being sober the gremlin's always there you're not fixed there is no cure to this it's about learning to live a life in recovery and if you're not an addict or you don't have a drink problem or drug problem, it's about learning to understand what your relationship is and how your behaviors are when you drink and use or use drugs.
0: Oh, Those that's the- brilliant. No, Jacob, thank you. There's a lot of food in, food for thought there. Um, it makes me definitely think because, um, again, as I say, I I choose not to drink, but then there are certain situations which I go, oh, I'll allow myself to have a drink. But it, I then work out how easy is it how easy is it to continue to have another second bottle of wine when actually only yeah. water a glass um, so yes I think there is a lot and you've just knocked that one right on the head by saying you know it is Andrew Gremlin. oh I can do it I can I can I can handle that um, yeah. Um, and yeah I think that's given me something for thought anyway but Liz, thank you very very much really appreciate your time and no Thank you, everybody, for listening and look forward to welcome you all back on the next podcast. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> for more information on the topic that you've just listened to, please visit my website, www.vitality40plus.com. Thanks for listening.